0: So glad to see everybody in the house today at the Bridge Goldsboro. Um, So glad you're here today. Uh, Just very quickly, you you may have gotten an invite card uh, in the last couple of weeks or so. If you don't have one, I think we have a few more. We want you to take those and invite someone that maybe doesn't know Jesus, maybe they're kind of questioning their faith, or maybe they don't have a home church, next Sunday because what we're going to be doing is having a Christmas Eve service. It's on Sunday, and we're we're offering services at 9 and 11 a.m. So if you have that invite card, be sure to give it to somebody this week. Did you know that statistics say that 82% of people that are invited to church by someone they know will say yes? 82%. So, in other words, you have somebody in your sphere of influence that will say yes. So use that invite card. Um, And along with that, we're not not having service this Thursday night, so I just wanted to emphasize that. Uh, But use that invite card for next Sunday. Um, If you have the church app, awesome. If you don't, download it. just wanted to say you can follow along on the screens today or on the app. Scroll over to Notes and click on Goldsboro, uh, and you'll be able to follow along right there. So we are wrapping up our uh, A Fresh Look at Christmas series how many of you have enjoyed a fresh look at Christmas? Because we've been looking at several different, yeah, we've been looking at several different uh, lenses of what Christmas is. And we talked about through the lens of Joseph's eyes. We, we even looked through the lens of what if Jesus had never been born. Um, we talked about what it would look like through the eyes of a child, Christmas. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas through the eyes of of Mary, And the question that I want to ask as we look at Christmas through the eyes of Mary, um, very, very, uh, right here is, what does Mary's life teach us? What does Mary's life teach us? Have you ever thought about that? But before we go into that, can, can we just stop for a second and acknowledge the impact that Mary's life has had on humanity? Isn't it kind of amazing if you think about not only the impact that she's had, but, but what it must have been like for her? And that, what we just saw on the screens, that was a little depiction, and, and maybe it happened like that. Maybe it happened just like that. We don't know. Um, but it, it is a depiction of, of what could have happened. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary as, as the angel came to her? Because if I'm honest, I, I don't really know a whole lot of women who would say yes to that. Do you? And we'd like to say, you know, we would say yes to God. But I don't know a whole lot of people who would actually go through with that. And the reason is because I asked the question, what could that have been like for her? And maybe we could just put ourselves in her shoes for just a minute. Imagine getting ready for bed and an angel shows up. I've lost half of you right there because we, 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 can, not, we don't even imagine what the angel would say. We're just trying to figure out how we're going to get through the angel showing up. You know what I mean? Let, let's assume that we survive the angel showing up. What do you think when he says to you that you've been chosen by God Almighty to carry, to give birth to, and to mother his son? I mean, what goes through your mind? Uh, the Savior of all mankind to carry him and then raise him. And before that, he says this, you're going to be impregnated by a miracle, by the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking, you've got the wrong house. You know what I mean? Susie Q. Goody Two Shoes is down uh, the street a little way. That's probably the one you're looking for. But other questions that I think about is like, why me? Why would you choose me? Maybe you think the same thing. Maybe the question is, how am I going to do this monumental task? of raising the very son of God. Maybe the question is this, what are people going to think? And if, if you were here for the series, you heard that, that it got crazy with, with Joseph. He, he didn't even know what to think until an angel came to him. But what are all our friends going to think when they see that I'm pregnant? And when I tell them that I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, I mean, if you remember, not everyone believed that. When Jesus got older and he was in his ministry, he came back to his hometown and not everybody believed that he was the son of God. They say, hey, you're just Mary and Joseph's son. So not everybody believed that this actually happened. So what is everybody gonna think? Because unless, Angel, unless you go to everybody in my neighborhood and in my family and tell them what you've told me, not everybody's gonna believe that. So I'm sure she was the blunt of some ridicule. Maybe the thought was, you know, I've dreamed of having kids but not this, you know, not not this way. What is he gonna be like? Is he gonna be a, a normal child? Is he gonna be a regular baby? Is he gonna be a regular teen, you know? Do I discipline him? Does he discipline us? How is this gonna work? Um, do do I teach him to say yes ma'am and yes sir? Or do we just say yes sir to him? You know what I mean? How, how, how is this gonna work? Um, Probably the biggest question is, how do I prepare myself for this? How? And this woman, Mary, had one of the greatest tasks ever given by God. And Mary says, yes. She says, I'm going to do it. And so I ask the question again, as we look at her life, what does her life teach us? How can we kind of apply the principles of her life to us? And if you read through the scriptures, the interesting thing is, is that we don't find an awful lot about Mary in the Bible. There's not a lot written about her. She has one of the most significant roles. Um, And even though her story is one of the most famous in the world, the Bible doesn't record that much about her. So we only see Mary a small handful of times in the story of Jesus. Um, Now that doesn't mean she's not significant, but what it means is that we just don't know all that much about her. But what we do know about her gives us some powerful lessons that we can apply to our own lives. And I want to talk about three of those lessons today. Everybody say three. Three. Somebody said, not four, Pastor, just three. Okay. And as we do that, we're going to zoom in to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to, as it relates to the Christmas story, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, But the very first lesson that we can learn is this. Mary was favored, but Mary was flawed. Mary was favored by God. The Bible says highly favored, but, but the fact is that she was flawed. Now, that may be a shock for some of you to hear that, and I want to say this respectfully because I know there are a lot of people that hold Mary up on a high pedestal with huge amounts of, uh, amounts of respect, and, and I think we should hold Mary up with huge amounts of respect, especially since she said yes to this, this task that God gave her. Um, but, but Mary was flawed. She was favored by God, but she was a human being. She was a human being just like me and just like you. Luke chapter 1, verse 28, this is what the angel said to her. He said, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. Say highly favored. I want to, highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want you to get that in your mind. Because the word highly favored comes from a single Greek word. Uh, and that's what the, this was written in, by the way. that The, the best theologians have, have said, it means, simply means this, Much grace. In other words, greetings, Mary, there has been much grace given you by God. Now, what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. That means Mary didn't do anything to deserve it. It's unmerited. It means she didn't. She wasn't good enough, she didn't do anything enough to deserve the favor that God gave her. It wasn't warranted, but what it means is that God gave her much grace because he loved her, because she was significant in his eyes, and because he had a great, great plan and purpose In mind for her. So, Mary is a righteous woman. We know that. She was in right standing with God. Otherwise, he would have never chosen her to mother his son. Um, She was favored. She was a woman that he had very big plans for, but she's a human being. And so, therefore, we know Mary has a sin nature about her, just like you and I do. So, she's flawed. And how do I know that? If we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, this is what it says Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous. No one who does what is right and never sins. Romans 3.23, you probably have heard this verse in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. But it says, for everyone has sinned. That's all inclusive. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Do you know what God's glorious standard is? It's perfection. And we couldn't hit it. We could never hit the mark. And that's why he sent Jesus, to be perfect on our behalf. And I love the scripture in Hebrews where it says that he was tempted in all the ways that we are, but yet he never sinned. And so he took on our sin for us. And so now through Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins. And when God looks at us, we can be seen as righteous and in right standing with him through his eyes. But this says we all fall short of it. Mary fell short of God's glorious standard because she, in fact, was a human being. So that means she sinned just like we all sinned. But does that mean that God couldn't use her? Does that mean that God did not have plans for her? Let's turn that question around on us today and and apply it to our own lives. Just because you have a sinful nature, does that mean God can't use you? Think about that for a minute. Just because I have a sin nature, does that mean God can't use me? I I remember when God called me to work in the church, when he called me to be a pastor. And I was 20 years old, and I remember asking God, are you sure? (laughs) And that, don't we ask God that sometimes? Like somehow God not, doesn't know what he's doing, you know? Maybe, you know, this was an accident. Maybe, God, my track record isn't pure. And matter of fact, it was far from it. And I, you look at me as a, as a pastor today. Look, I, I have not always been a pastor. I'm a human being. And that was one of my greatest concerns. When he called me, I was like, God, I'm sinful. I, I know my own sin. Did you pick the wrong person? Was this an accident? I need you to let me know for sure. And there's one thing that I've learned about God is that he doesn't make mistakes. And the plans that he has for you, the things that he's called you to, they are doable because in and through Jesus Christ, he makes you worthy to do those things that he has called you to do. Did you know that today? One thing I appreciate about all the pastors that serve at the bridge, just working with with these guys and, and the staff, is they're all very transparent about their lives. And they say, you know what, I'm not perfect, but through Jesus Christ, I am. We all have shortcomings. And I just promise you, as your pastor, there's going to be times where I might fail you. I don't mean to. It's not my intention to do that, but I'm a human being. And there may be times that, that you just get really upset with me because I don't do something exactly right. And I just want to say in advance, I'm sorry. And if I haven't offended you yet, as Pastor Farrell says, I'll be with you shortly. But I, I just want you to know that that just because we have a sin nature, it doesn't mean that God can't use us. Just because I have a sin nature, it doesn't change my calling. Just because you have a struggle in a certain area doesn't mean that God can't use you. It doesn't mean that you're, the calling of your life and the purpose in your life has changed. It doesn't change the fact that, that whenever my heart is full of love for God and I turn to Him, that, that He uses me. And when I become submissive to Him, He gives me favor. And He says, my purpose is for you, stand," And I'm glad for that. And here's the whole point. Just because you're flawed doesn't mean that God doesn't favor you. Just because Mary was flawed doesn't mean that God didn't favor her. It doesn't mean that He's not calling you and He's not going to give you grace and that He's not going to equip you for great things. There are so many great opportunities. It's all right, just a chair fell. Come on, look at me. Isn't that funny? It's funny how sometimes one thing can get our attention. Sometimes I'll hear a baby cry, and every one of you, without fail. Keep it here. I could meddle right now, but I'm not going to. Here's the fact, guys and gals. God loves us. And just because we're flawed doesn't mean he can't use us. And I, I just got to say, God's called you to some great things. And the reason why I know that is because you're his prized possession. He made you. The Bible says he made you fearfully and he made you wonderfully. And he's got great plans for you. And and I just wonder how many of us are, are kind of holding back the calling that God has in our lives because we don't feel worthy of it because of the sin nature about us, because of the things that go through our minds, and we think, well, I could never, I could never be worthy of that. There, there are so many opportunities right here at this very church that, that we give you uh, the opportunity to, to be used in God's kingdom. I wonder how many of you are, are called. You've got great music gifts or, or tech, tech gifts, and, and, and God's calling you to be a part of the worship arts team. Or, or how many of you God is calling, you feel a burden on your heart to help teach and bridge kids, but, but you thought, I'm too sinful. Or I have a past. I could never do that. Let me tell you, when he got ready, God himself got ready to bring Jesus, his very own son, into the world, he chose a girl who was flawed. He, he chose a girl who had a past. She had sinned, but her heart was for God. See, that's the difference. And when our hearts are for God, his favor is enough. And I'm here to tell you today, God can use you too. Mary was favored, but she was flawed. That's the first thing. Second lesson is this. Mary was called to a big task wouldn't you say she was going to mother the single most important human being uh, that would ever live no pressure Mary I mean think about it L- listen to the calling that the angel delivered to her in Luke chapter 1 verses 31 through 33 this is what he says you will conceive and give birth to a son all right that's not so bad you're to call him Jesus and eyebrows raise right verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now it's getting pretty intense, isn't it? And I I want you to remember that because King David lived about 500 years before Jesus was born and arguably the most powerful king Israel ever had. And he says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Listen, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom, Jesus's, will never end. And we all look and go, no pressure (laughs) Mary, this task is huge. It's monumental. And I can just imagine the angel saying all that and saying, "Now do a good job. And then, like, exit stage left, and Mary's sitting there going, what? You know, and this is huge. I'm surprised she didn't have heart palpitations for, for the rest of her life as she grew up. Nevertheless, this big task, the angel delivered it to her. It came from God, and she says yes. So the very next thing that happens is we see Mary and Joseph fully engaged in this big task, don't we? And, and they do everything they're supposed to do. If you read the Christmas story, it got intense at times. They were having to flee because people were trying to kill Jesus. And, and they were up in the middle of the night going. And, and he was born in a stable because it was the best circumstances they had at the time. All uh, was prophesied, as we find out, in the Old Testament. And it happened. And and it's it's, going—it's crazy, this big task. All these things are surrounding it, and and shepherds are coming, and there's a star in the sky, and wise men are coming from afar, and all these things happen. And then then they bring Jesus to the temple to be dedicated uh, because that's what the Jewish law said had to happen, and so they did it. And they get there, and there's this older man named Simeon there. He's old. and, And God had promised Simeon, unbeknownst to them, way early on that he would see the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world before he died. And so he spent his time right there in, in the temple courts waiting for this to happen. And, and when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus, the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit over to where they were. And he sees him, and he, he holds him, and he begins to prophesy over him. And then there's, a, there's another older person there named Anna, and they both begin to prophesy over Jesus. They begin to tell Mary and Joseph just how important and how significant Jesus is going to be. And you think about it, he gives the big task to them, and all these miraculous things begin to happen. All these miraculous situations surround Jesus, but then they look at Jesus, and he's just a normal baby. He's crying. He needs his diaper changed. And all these things that are happening that are so significant, yet Jesus still looks like a normal kid. What God has promised looks nothing like their current situation. He promised a savior of the world. He gave this this huge task to give them the savior of the world, but yet they're looking at a baby that needs him. Have you ever heard the saying, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it it must be a duck? Aren't you glad people didn't look at Jesus that way? He's just a normal baby. He's nothing. That's not how God... Looks at things in his kingdom. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10 says this, do not despise the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And maybe God's called you to a big task. Maybe he's promised you some things in your life. Maybe you were reading the scriptures one day or, or praying and, and, and God just dropped it in your heart. And maybe he's called you to something big, but right now all you see is your lack. Right now, all you see is the insignificance of your circumstances. But yet you know God has said something big is going to happen in your life. Yet you know that God is saying something is going to turn around in your life. But whenever you open your eyes after the prayer, you're still stuck. Or you open your eyes after after the, the what God has spoken to you, and, and there's still lack in your life. You don't know how it's going to happen because he spoke a big word, gave you a big task. But when you open your eyes and look around, things still seem Insignificant, Aren't you glad that God doesn't see just the beginning, but he sees the end from the beginning, and he rejoices when you start the work that he's asked you to do. No matter how weak you may feel, no matter how insignificant you may feel, God is still at work in your life even when you can't see it. And at some point, he's going to bring a harvest of, of good in your life if you don't give up, even if it seems bad now. Stay the course. Mary and Joseph, they're hearing all these things. They're talking about a savior of the world. They had the angels come and tell them, and then they look at, at Jesus, and, and he has a number two in his pants. And I, and I mean that respectfully, but I'm trying to make the point that they had every opportunity to look at the baby and say, you know what, maybe this isn't it. Maybe he's just a baby. And when God wants to do something great in your life, something major, It may not look like anything special in the beginning. You ever see a farmer plant seeds? We live in kind of an agricultural society here down in the south, and you see him plant the seeds, and you ever see a farmer plant the seed, and they're small seeds, and he plants it, and then the very next day, he goes out and goes, where's the harvest? I spent a lot of money on these seeds. I spent a lot of time and effort planting them. I want to know where the corn is. And you're like, dude, chill out, right? Go home, water the thing, and eventually you'll have a harvest. Right now you're pretty crazy coming out thinking that the seed is going to produce something great the next day. And maybe he comes out the next week and does the same thing, maybe the next month. I've spent all my time and energy planting this seed, and I still don't see the end result that was promised to me on the little packet. And don't we do that sometimes with God whenever we know he's spoken something great into our lives and, and we want results immediately because to be sure if he spoke something great, then it has to happen within 24 hours or it's not God. And we get so frustrated, but if you, we can just understand that a seed that you plant, it takes time. And just like a farmer waters it and cares for it, we got to water that word in our hearts that God spoke to us. we got to surround ourselves with people that aren't going to discourage us when it comes time. We have to stay in the word of God and keep telling ourselves that God is faithful, that God will come through for me because he sees the beginning just like he does the end. And he rejoices at what I'm doing right now, the word said in Zechariah. He he rejoices, even though I can't see the results of it yet, even though I'm I'm still struggling, even though it still hurts, God is rejoicing over me because I'm staying the course. And eventually, my God will bring the harvest. That's something to rejoice about. Sometimes we, we miss what God is calling us to do because we give up too easily before we see results. I love the quote by Thomas Edison that says, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and it looks like work. We miss the harvest that God wants to bring into our lives because we're unwilling to do the hard work when we don't see anything special happening. Mary had a big task. Her task was to raise Jesus. Now, has anybody ever raised a child in here? You know what a task it is, don't you? Am I talking to anybody in the room? Come on, I've got four kids. I know what it's like. Yeah, come on, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. You know what it's like to raise kids. It's no easy task, is it? She had a big task. Now, what she could have said was, you know, God, I want to do great things for you. I want to be a minister. I want to work in the ministry. I I would like to stand in front of hundreds of people, maybe thousands one day, and talk about the testimony. I want to reach people too, God. God, I want, and he said, I want you to raise Jesus. That's the task. And and all the while, she has this thing in her heart that God said he's going to be the savior of the world and do something great. All the while, Jesus has the terrible twos, and he's running around getting into everything. And, and, and she's like, God, I know you've called me to a big task, but right now it just seems like it looks like it's dressed in overalls. <laughs> it looks like work. She waited. She stayed the task. And, oh, what did Jesus do? He became the Savior of the world. This is what I know. When we do the work that God gives us to do, even when we don't see the results just yet, God will always come through, Always. So if that's you today, you can bank on God's word. Mary did the task, the great big task that God had called her to, and it was a launch pad that God used to save you, to save me, to save all the rest of mankind. And I just got to say, I bet she's in heaven going, you know what, that was worth it. I mean, it was hard, but it was worth it. And maybe she didn't have a clue whenever she was changing the number two diaper that you and I would be sitting here today and we could have a baptism service like we did today, celebrating the life that her little baby that looked so insignificant at the time grew up and became the savior of the world to produce us, sons and daughters of God, and able to celebrate new life in Jesus Christ. Maybe she wasn't thinking about it back then because it was hard, an insignificant feeling. And I just got to tell you, if God's called you to, to something great, if he's, if he's called you to do a task and it feels insignificant right now, I want you to think that he will bring the harvest, and there's a multitude of people that he's going to influence their lives because of the hard work you're putting in right now, but you just can't see it yet. Just imagine the people that God's going to touch, the, the, the lives that are going to be changed, the eternities that are going be, to be completely shifted for the better, for the good, all because of right now you, you make a decision to say, I'm going to stick with this even though I can't see it. She was favored, yet she was flawed. She was called to a big task. And the third thing is this. Mary learned that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. And it kind of segues right into this point. In verse 36 and 37 of Luke 1, the angel told her this. What's more, as if there wasn't enough, (laughs) Your relative, Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. Half of you right now are going, man, I'm so glad that's not me. (laughs) She's become pregnant in her old age, and people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Just a little pop-up quiz here. How many of you know who she was pregnant with? You ever heard of John the Baptist? That was her relative, Elizabeth. She was in her old age. She was barren, and God gave her a son, ended up being John the Baptist, who paved the way for Jesus' ministry. Now, these are two women, Mary and Elizabeth, who have a difficult time wrapping their brains around what God had done, okay? But we realize nothing is impossible with God. Mary's a virgin, Yes, yeah, she's having a baby. She's conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is a miracle in and of itself, and this baby is the Son of God. That's, like, no one can believe that. That's just crazy. Then her relative Elizabeth is having a child, too, who, if you look at verse 7 of this uh, chapter, it, it describes her as barren and very old. It, like, basically, she can't have any more children or any. It was so crazy to think about her having a child. The, in fact, it was so far-fetched that her husband, an angel actually came to him. His name was Zechariah, and told him that he was going to have a son, and he didn't believe it. He was like... Uh, And some interesting things happened there until John was born. But what happened, they, they saw things that were impossible for them to do. But yet, with God, it wasn't impossible. And there's things in our lives that are impossible. When we look at our situations, when we look at things surrounding our situations and the people involved, and we're like, nothing good is going to come out of this. Nothing can change about this. I'm at the end of my rope, and I just got to tell you, it was impossible for them, but God came through and did the impossible. And sometimes we sarcastically say, well, you know what? This is going to take a miracle. Well, guess what? God's in the business of doing miracles, God is in the business of taking the impossible as it looks to you and showing you just how possible it is when we stick it through. When we, when we hold on and believe in him, it's like something that activates him to say, you know what, I'm coming through for them. What's impossible with mankind is possible with God. And the point of this is simple. The same promise that he gave Mary and the same promise he gave Elizabeth, he extends that promise to us today. I don't care how distant you and your spouse are. I don't care if it seems like separation and divorce are just inevitable. God can turn it around. I don't care how far your children have run from the faith. I'm telling you right now, God can save their souls. He can reach them when you can't. It doesn't matter how sinful you feel like your life is. It doesn't matter how far you've run or what you did a week ago or what you're struggling with as you're listening to me right now. God can save your soul too. And the reason is because he loves you. He loves you. And that's such a word that we throw around so loosely nowadays. But God's love is this pure love. It doesn't change He doesn't get emotional. He just simply surrounds you in the love that he has. And it's not just something he has, it's who he is. And because he loves you so much, he takes things like this, things that are impossible in your life and extends you this grace, this unmerited favor and says, I wanna change your life too. That's possible for you. And that's the whole beauty of the Christmas story. It's, it's It's the beautiful part about what we're talking about in this season is that God came for you. Because he loved you so much. And he he didn't come to condemn you. Jesus was so clear. I didn't come to condemn, but I came to save. And so that's what he did. And he's reaching his arms out to you today, ready to draw you in, ready to redeem. We learn that nothing is impossible for God. Those are the three things. But in the time that we have left, I I, want to go back to the first point. Mary was favored, yet she was flawed. And the reason I want to I do that is because one thing that I've realized is that it's, it's hard for people to accept what God did for them because they, they've gotten their lives to a place that they just feel they're not worthy of it yet. What God did for us, we because of our sin nature, And can I just say that none of us are going to get to a place where we're worthy of it? Did you hear me? If you're trying, if, if you feel like you can get to a place where you're worthy of God, just hang your coat up, man. It's not going to happen. Because if, if you could get yourself to a place where you were worthy of God, then you'd have done it already. I'd have done it already. If, if, if you knew my sin, man, it would embarrass me so bad. I, I, can't, I couldn't do it. God had to get a hold of me, and when I turned my heart to him, something amazing happened. But I, I think being flawed keeps us from thinking that we're never going to be good enough for God. And I just want to close with, with this story. I actually uh, read recently a story about a, a government official, and maybe you've read the same story. And this government official, he, he lived a godly life. And, in fact, he, he would always talk about the fact that the reason why he was where he was is because God had favor in his life. Maybe you've read this story. And he was flawed. Of course, he's human. We've talked about that already today. And as the story went on, I I began to realize very quickly that even the best of God followers can mess up bad. Even the best of God followers can fail. And this is what happened in the story. He he, he meets this woman, and and I'm not trying to gossip, but I do want to tell you the story. If I said his name, you'd probably know it. And this woman's was married and her husband's in the military and her husband was deployed. And he's he's fighting for the country and he's with her one thing leads to another and just to put it bluntly he sleeps with her and she gets pregnant. And and you got to understand this is going to ruin him. And I'm reading the story and I'm like this is not going to end well for him. And it's going to ruin him if it gets out. He's never going to be able to be trusted again. And so he decides and I'm reading this it's so crazy. It's like reading a soap opera. And he, he, he's desperate, and so he uses his influence in the government. He pulls some strings to try to get the husband home, and he's got this plan. And I'm just going to tell you right now, when we try to cover up our sin, we do stupid things. Because what would be normal and sensible goes out the window when we're trying to protect ourselves and trying to do it our way. Did you know that? And this is what this guy does. He uses his influence to try to get the guy home, and he, through his anxiety, he figures if he can get the guy home, then the husband will come home. You know, he'll he'll sleep with his wife. Everybody will think that the baby is his. And the long and short of it is, he uses he does all that, but the man actually never ends up getting back for one reason or or another. He's a far away. I, I, and so. He, Maybe he gets halfway there, some, some of the way there, and, and, and he ends up having to go back to the war. And the, the government official says, you know what, the only thing that I can do now, and this is what he does, it's crazy, he says, I'm going to have him killed. And what be- better way to cover it up than war? And so he, he, he puts him in the thick of the next fight, and he dies. And later on, I guess when enough time has gone by, if there can even be enough time to go by after that, this government official goes after this woman again and takes her as his wife. Now, what do you say to that? Talk about failing miserably. What, what do you say to that? Many people have heard this story, and they go, this guy deserves the death penalty. <laughs> he commits adultery. Then he, he tries to cover it up. He eventually murders somebody, if you just want to be blunt about it. Nobody sits by and watches this happen, this kind of corruption, and is okay with it. Nobody does. It seems like the worst of the worst. And I just present that story to you today It's just to ask you this one question. Can God still use him? Now, I know we all have our church face on, and we're like, yes, hallelujah, God can do it. I want you to take that away for a minute, and just kind of dig down deep into yourself, and can God use him? And I just got to say, some of us in here are probably going, no, he deserves to die. He deserves to die. I mean, yeah, maybe God can do it in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, but you know what? I, I'm just, can, 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 can I just go ahead and tell you who that was? Now, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. It was King David in the Bible. Remember the verse we read about a little bit ago where the angel told him that Jesus is going to grow up and he's going to reign on David's throne, his father, right? Meaning his ancestry. It was David. Verse 32, remember it says, He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High, talking about Jesus. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And, And I read this story about David and I'm like, how is his name even still attached to that throne? How is it that God can still use him? Because not only was he flawed, but in our human sense of the word, we're like he was really flawed. I mean, this guy committed adultery willingly, got the girl pregnant, then murdered the the the, father, the husband, and then took him at took her as his wife. How can God use that? Even though he was a sinful man, God still held up the the words that he said when David was young that said, this is a guy after my own heart. It's like he even describes how we're supposed to worship God with our whole hearts. He used David to describe that. He was sinful. But God, in his overwhelming love, gave him unmerited grace. Listen, when David turned to him, you need to get that. God doesn't give out freebies, but when we come to him and empty ourselves, like David did, God gave unmerited grace, unmerited favor, and God used him in great ways. And I, I just want to read to you a little bit of the prayer. And we're kind of getting all in David's grits right now. It's like his, his journal that he wrote the prayer down to God after he did this. And we're like, well, what did he say to, to let God give him the grace? Well, he wrote it down. Aren't you glad he did? And it's in the scriptures. It's, it's Psalms. Uh, chapter 51. And this, is, this gets pretty intense. It's like he's, he just gets naked before God. I want to read a few verses of this. And maybe you have some struggles in your life. Listen to me. Maybe you have some sin in your life, and you're like, God could never use me. Or maybe you've even come to Christ, and, and you're like, God could never use me because of what I've done. I can't forgive myself. How could God do it? This is how. You open up your heart and become naked before God. You be real with Him. Don't hold it back as if somehow you could come to Him good, Say, I'm sinful. Let's just just read what David said. He says, have mercy on me, O God, not because of me, but because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins, for I recognize my rebellion, and it haunts me day and night. I don't know if anybody is identifying with David today then he says this, against you and you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. Now, you may have hurt somebody in your life. You may have done some things that cause some people some serious consequences. But whenever you come to God, before you can ever be forgiven or forgive, you've got to come to the one who forgave you first. Make it right with him. You've got to understand that your sin has to do with your eternity, not your temporal existence here on this planet. So you better get it right with the one who, who died for your eternity first. And David recognized that. And he said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And I've done what is evil in your sight. So when you come to God, you come empty and you get it right with him first. Skip down to verse 7. He says, purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, but now let me rejoice. Don't you love the transparency he has here? Don't keep looking at my sins, but remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. I love that. God, make me willing to serve you. We need him to serve him. Did you know that? And that just proves even further that we can't do anything in and of ourselves to be worthy of him. We need him to be worthy of him. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of being saved by you and make me willing to obey you. And I just wonder how many people in this room today are willing to say yes to God. I just wonder how many of you have been feeling burdened by guilt and burdened by shame. And maybe you walked in here and you're thinking, you know what, maybe just coming to church every week is going to get me in good standings with God. Or or maybe I'm here today and maybe I'm going to somehow satisfy something that God wants from me. Let me tell you something. God doesn't want our butts in seats. He, He really doesn't care about that as much as he does about having your life. And he is more than able and more than willing to hear what it is you have to say. One thing I've learned about God, especially in the last couple of years, is that he can handle it. He can handle your sin. He can handle, I mean, I don't think it gets any, any, any more blunt than, than David's words. God can certainly handle your prayer. He can certainly handle your transparency. He can handle your nakedness of your soul as you come before him and you lay it all out. And I just wonder how many in this room... Would, would choose to let God clean you up rather than you trying again and again to do it yourself. God still can use you. And I think even more importantly than that is that God still wants to use you. He desires it. He loves you so much. He told the Israelites, oh, if you would just come to me, if you would just come to me, I would take you under my wing like a, like, 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 like a bird and his chicks. Just come to me. I'll, I'll help you. Don't try to do it yourself. And and I just got to say, that, again, is what the Christmas story is. Mary certainly understood that, and she said yes to God, even when she didn't feel like she was worthy of it. She said yes, and she watched God do some amazing things in her life. She said yes to God. And I just wonder in this room, how many of you are willing to say yes to him? Would you give your life to him? I'm sure across this room, in in a room this size, there are people that have given their lives to God, and that there are people who are living for him, And I'm sure there's people who are on the fence about it. Maybe you're here and you're like, I just want to hear what it's about. The bridge sounds like a cool church. I'll come check it out. But you're kind of unsure. And then there, there may be some people in here who are here only because someone dragged you. And that's cool. I'm so glad you're here. I really am. And guess what? We accept every single person on that, on that, on that field. Every person. I don't care where you're at. I want you to hear this message today. That God loves you. But I just wonder if, if you feel something pulling at your heart today. I wonder if you just admit that that's not Pastor Ryan talking. That's not me trying to give some guilt trip. That's God pulling at your heart. And he's saying, I love you. He's saying, I, I know there's, there's junk. I mean, we can't hide that from God. What, are we crazy to think that? But he's saying, I can handle it. And if you would come to me just like David did, completely guilty, <laughs> but completely open. God is more than enough and can give you favor. Can we just pray together? Lord, all over this room, you see every heart. You see every person. And, Lord, I just, I just pray that we'd be vulnerable to you right now. Not hard, not building up walls. Some of us came in here with walls today, Father. And I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin making us pliable. Break down those walls, God, that we could receive what it is you want us to have today. You don't want us to leave here. God, you've given us a moment right now. All of our histories all come together at this moment right now, and you're saying I'm I'm giving every one of us the opportunity to say yes, to let me save, to let me come in and give grace where we we don't even feel like we deserve it. You're giving us the opportunity right now to say yes to you, and I pray right now, oh, God, that you would show us how to be open, that that we would become pliable. God, and open our hearts to you. We just commit ourselves to you once again. And all over this room, this is not some magical thing. You don't have to say the perfect words. God doesn't make finding him a mystery. He says, believe in me and confess that you're a sinner. And I'll come in. I'll make you whiter than snow. As David said, I'll I'll bring you joy where your life is represented with something else right now. I'll bring you the joy and show you what real life is. Just believe in me say yes to me, and I'm just going to say a prayer, and if you would just agree with that, anyone on that spectrum, I don't care if you've been saved 100 years, or, or, or you just got saved yesterday, or you're, you're, you're on the fence, or you're just like totally against the things of God, God's given you the opportunity right now, and I'm just going to say a prayer, and God hears your heart, and if you would just agree with this as I pray, God, we are, we, we, we need you. We're guilty in and of ourselves. We have a sin nature about us. I know my sin, everybody in this room, if we thought about it right now, we we know the things we struggle with. We know our sin. We know we're not good enough. And Lord, we just admit that to you right now. But God, we do want to do something else. We want to empty ourselves out and say yes to you. Lord, be true to your word. Save me. We just read the scriptures. It said you... You washed him whiter than snow. Lord, could that really be what my life would look like when I say yes to you? Clean. I believe that. So God, come in and and prove your word to me. Make me clean. Make me whiter than snow. As the Bible says. I don't know that I'm going to feel any different, God. Maybe I will. But I choose to believe right now that you died for me. You died for the sin that I couldn't pay for, that you really died. You were really dead. But God, something more than that, you really rose from the grave. Through the, through the power of God Almighty and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you rose from the grave to give me life. And that new life that you had represents my new life. And I believe I'm on my way to heaven just simply because I believe in you, not because I did anything great. Anything good that's going to come out of me is going to be because of what you're doing right now through me. I, I'm not perfect. I don't even claim to be perfect right now. <laughs> but I know I love you, and I know I want to figure out what this means to serve you willingly. And I just want to wake up every day with my heart aimed at you, and I trust you, God, to fill in the rest for me. I want to give it everything I have. All over this room, if, if, if you agree with that, if you prayed that prayer, can we say amen together? Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm so glad that you've had the opportunity to say yes to God. If you've made that decision today, I just, I just want you to take your Connect card and fill, fill it out and just check, I prayed to receive Christ today because we want to know about it, not, not just because we want to say, oh, great. We, we want to help you celebrate. We want to make a follow-up with you. We want to show you what it really means to, to serve Christ. And so if you would, if you've made any decision today to do that, just, just mark that on your Connect card. Uh, maybe you're saying, hey, I've, I've been safe for a while, and I want to know what my next step is. There's a spot for that. You can you can check it. There's more information that you can get on several things on that Connect card. So please take a second and fill that out before you leave, and the ushers are going to be there at the back to take this up for you. A couple other quick things before we go. Don't forget, One for Change is today. We are helping needy families at Christmas time that don't have enough to help support themselves or their kids for Christmas. So get those $1 bills out. That's all we're asking you to do. Um, as well as the gift cards that you may have today. D- drop them off with the ushers on the way out, and we're taking everything that we get today with that, and we're putting it towards Wrap It Up to help people for, for Christmas. One more quick thing. If you're a first-time guest today, I would love to, to meet you after the service. I'm going to be hanging out right in the lobby where the couches are. I'm just going to be standing there. Uh, please stop by. I'd love to put a face with a name. I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to say, hey. I love y'all. I really mean that, and I hope you have a great great week. Remember, no service Thursday night. I'll see you next Sunday.